Welcome back to the Board Game Battles Podcast, episode 39. I'm your host, Randall, and with me are my co-hosts, Ashley. Hey. And Drew. Hello. It's a little different this time around because we are in the peak quarantine season right now because of the new pandemic. So we might sound a little odd. Um, we're obviously recording this at a distance um, between the three of us, um, all in our respective homes. So um, forgive any audio strangeness. It's not going to be quite as clear as normal, but we'll do the best we can with what we're working with. Um, you know, obviously this pandemic that's happening right now, the COVID-19 is, is playing havoc with economies, is playing havoc with emotional states of people having to quarantine themselves. So um, any kind of normality we can we can hold on to to try to keep things going you know is helpful so you know we're doing our physical distancing i don't like the uh the whole social distancing um moniker just because we shouldn't be social distancing at this time we should be physical distancing for sure to you know stop the spread but we want to keep in contact with people you want to you know for your mental health you have to just you know, just keep in talk, contact with friends, with family, in any way you can, whether it be by video, by audio, or whatever. It's a it's a rough time out there for a lot of people. So we figure, let's you know continue on. We can still play board games. It may not be the way we normally like to play them, but you know this way we can you know still have some fun and still keep up with the podcast and and you know still talk to you. So that's what we're doing. Uh, this this uh, episode, we're talking about two uh, dice and card games, uh, games that have you competing with each other uh, for various prizes. In one game, you're competing to become um, for a spot among the gods, and in the other, you're competing to be uh, the master wizard, or you know, I could be wrong how the master sorcerer of the kingdom or the greatest sorcerer of the kingdom. But uh, in both cases, um, they both use dice and they both use cards to uh, achieve this. So we're going to be talking about uh, Seasons versus Dice Forge. And then after our, uh, after our comparison, we'll be having a little discussion about um, one of the online methods for, ro- um, for playing board games, Board Game Arena, which is what we used for um, this matchup. But uh, not never to fear, I do actually own these games as well, so I'll be able to talk about components and the rule books. Um, I do have a bit of uh, a history with them, so I, I, it's easy enough for me to, to discuss that. Um, Ashley has played Dice Forge before, so she is familiar with the components, even though it's been a while. Drew, unfortunately, has not had a chance to play either of these in real life, but you know he's hopefully got a good sense of it from our playthroughs on uh, on Board Game Arena. But anyways, let's get started. Our first one came out in 2012 is Seasons. Um, I did not know this at the time when I chose these two games. I just figured, hey, here's two games that have dice and and cards and have a a competitive aspect to them. I figured they'd be a good matchup. But then I looked into it, and hey, I figured, that's interesting. They're both from Libeland, Lubelud, Libeland. I'm not sure how you really pronounce that company name. Um, that's interesting. And then I looked into it, and it's the exact same designer for both. So there you go. Um, he has a a uh, 
type of game he like he likes to design, and and it's come out a couple of times now. So that's that's it. that was interesting. But Seasons came out in 2012. Uh, the designer was uh, Reggie uh, Bonasse. It's a French name, so I'm totally butchering uh, the pronunciation. Uh, other games that he's designed, um, he started out in 2002, one called Himalaya. He also did one called Fabula, and then he did Seasons, Lords of Zidit, which I do own, but I haven't had a chance to play, and then Dice Forge, and then various expansions for all his different games. So those are his... Uh, so he hasn't designed a lot, but he's the ones he has designed so far that I've played have been pretty good, so he's definitely a good designer. Artists for uh, Seasons, he's, he himself is one of the artists. Also there's um, a Xavier Junafe uh, and uh, Stefan Gantes. Publishers, Libelud, Asmodee, Asterian Press, Crowd Games, Gem Club, KFT, and Hobby Japan, Rebel, um, and then one I cannot pronounce, I think might be German, and a Swan Pana, Panazia Company Limited, so it's a various publishers for it. Categories, card game, dice, fantasy, mechanisms, card drafting, dice rolling hand management, take that. It has a BGG rating, a 7.4 out of 19,000 ratings, and a weight of 2.78 out of 5. Um, yeah, that sounds about right, because it's, it's a little bit more involved game than Dice Forge, um, which we'll talk about after, but um, it does have some meat to it. So I could, have, I could see it being a little bit above the median. Um, rule book. So I do have the rule book here for, for Seasons. It's a nice, um, nicely laid out, um, colorful book. Uh, good dis- um, good diagrams throughout it and, and good quality. Uh, so I'd say it's a very good book because it has a really good setup and layout in the very first two pages. You open up the page and it's got like a nice layout of how everything is, is all the different components that are used in it. Um, so they do a really good rule book for this game. Um, and they have a good reference for the different uh, cards because there's quite a few different cards. There's a lot of different cards in this game. I think there's 50 cards in the base game, and they do have a few expansions available for it that adds more cards and a few different play styles to it. But there's 50 game cards in the main game, uh, two copies of every card. Um, so that would be like 100 different cards then. Uh, good quality cards, uh, but they have a description for each card. So if you have a question about a card, you go into the book, and usually you can figure out based on what they say in the book if it isn't quite clear on the uh, text of the card itself. Um, but yeah, so that's the uh, the rule book. Um, it's not it's 16 pages. Um, yeah, 16 pages long. There's no no index like usual. Um, on the back, there's a bit of a, a reference. Um, and there's also like a game overview on how a game will run on the, on the second last page. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a really well-designed man, um, guide. So good book. Uh, components, this is, I'm the only one who has experience with the components, but they're all decent quality components. Uh, Libelud, um, they've done quite a few games, and um, I, I do tend to look for their games once in a while because they do make you know good quality games. So it's all, well, let me, I'd say above average, a little bit above average quality. Nice, um, beefy dice, like not too big, um, but not 
too small either, so a good average size die uh, with various symbols all, all over them. So they're all custom-made die. Uh, so nothing just, you know, they're not all the same. Um, there's, um, I think it's, well, it plays up to four players. So there's five for each color of um, dice. So there's four different, you're playing among seasons in a year, so there's four different colors of die. And each one has different symbols on it. And I'm, out of the five die, I don't necessarily know if there's any two that are the same um, per season. So they might be the same like season by season with different symbols on it that might have the same kind of layout for each season. But within a season, I think each die is, is different enough that uh, there may not be two that are identical. But they're good quality die. Um, there's also cardboard. There's uh, Each player has a player board. And there's um, cardboard um, tokens to represent uh, the elements for each season. Um, so the game takes place over three years, and each year is broken up into the four seasons. So you have like fire, you have fall, you have water, you have um, air. Um, I believe those are the four different symbols. Something like that. Yeah, air, I believe, is represented by a feather. Fire is represented by a fire symbol. Water... And then, what was last? What did I miss? Uh, Air, fire, earth, and water, isn't it? Earth, yeah, that's the one I was missing. Earth. And earth is represented by a, just so I know. Oh, right, um, it's a green one. So it's a green leafy symbol, that's earth. I missed that one. So that's the four different, um, so you get... You get uh, little element tokens, like the round element chits or tokens or whatever, for for all the different uh, types of elements that you use in the game. All of it's a you know standard quality um, cardboard. It's 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 you know it's a good thickness without you know being overly done, like say from a Kickstarter or something, and but without being too thin, say from a cheaper game. So it's a good quality, right in the right in the mid range there. Um, but yeah, that's the components. So the components are dice, cardboard, and cards, and they're all decent. And there's a couple, there's a couple different player boards on the, uh, or we covered not player boards, a couple different boards on the table. There's the central board, which is a circular board that represents the four different seasons around it, each broken up into three um, months. Um, and then in those three months, there's a little bit, sort of like a chart beneath each season um, that shows you during a particular season, the value of the different elements. And in the middle is just the um, a marker for keeping track of what year you're in. So each time you progress the year, you change, you move the marker along on that track. track. Other than the, the big round one, there's also a score track um, where you keep track of your score. Score in this game is, is called crystals. So every point is a crystal. Crystals um, can also be spent throughout the game, so you can go down in points by spending crystals. Um, but anything that you earn goes onto the score track and for the end of the game. Uh, rules. So the game is, uh, there's a couple of different ways to play the game. Uh, we played it a few different, a couple of different times. We played it the apprentice way, which where they take a, a certain set of cards and and split them up among the uh, the players. And then how you, with with that way, you don't do any kind of drafting. It's just, here's your nine cards. You take your nine cards, and you split them up into three piles. So um, however you want to split them up, 
during each year, you'll gain access to one of the piles. So the first year, you start with three cards in your hand, and then as the second year comes along, you'll grab those three cards, and the third year, you'll get the last three cards. Um, and these are the cards you'll be using as you play the game. In the uh, more advanced version of the game, instead of getting a set cards, you will do a draft. So you'll just shuffle up all the different cards that are available, deal out uh, nine cards to each player, and then you just everyone drafts. So you choose a card and pass it along, just like a normal draft, until you end up with nine cards at the end. And those are your nine cards for the game. Then you split them up, like I said, into three piles of three, and then start the game. I'm not sure if there's any... I can't remember if there's any other special setup stuff. Let's just see here. I don't believe anyone starts with anything in particular. Do we start? No, we didn't start no. with any kind of... Yeah. Yeah, we didn't start with any elements or crystals or anything like that. Just go. Uh, so how the game goes, um, during each turn... Like, you'll have somebody who's, like, your start player. But um, during each turn, uh, whoever... The, I don't even know if it matters who the star player is, but the dice will get rolled for the number of players. So what it is, it'll be one more die than the number of players there are. So we were playing a three-player game, so we had four dice. Four dice get rolled. And then starting with the star player, they will choose one of the die and put it on their board. Then the next person chooses, and the next person chooses until there's one die left. At the bottom of each die are dots. The number of dots on the bottom of the die indicate how far the marker to determine the month will move at the end of the round. So it ranges from one to three dots, so it means it'll move one to three spaces. Um, once everyone's chosen their die, each player takes their turn. During your turn, you'll get stuff based on your die. There's a few different symbols on the die. There can be symbols for different elements, and if there are any element symbols on that die, you'll get those elements right away and put them onto your player board. At the start of the game, you can only hold up to a maximum of seven elements. So if you ever go above that, you have to discard at that time. So you'll grab your new elements, then to choose right away which elements you're getting rid of. Also on the die could be a star. A star indicates that you'll be increasing your summoning power gauge. Everybody starts with a zero summoning power. Summoning power is what you use to get cards out in front of you. So like I said, you'll have three cards to start with in front of you um, in your hand. You can't bring those cards out until you get your summoning gauge up so that you can start having cards in front of you. The summoning gauge on the board, your player board, goes from 0 to 15. Um, also on your player board are four um, different examples of bonuses that you can take throughout the game. These are, if you're ever at a point where, say, you need like a, um, an extra summoning power or you need to convert some of your elements... There are these bonuses you can take. Each time you take a bonus, you'll move a little marker along a track um, that's on your player board, and that'll be negative points at the end of the game for each bonus that you've taken throughout the game. It starts out at ne negative 5 points for the first bonus you take. Um, when you've taken 2, then you'll be at negative 12 points for the end of the game, so it adds another negative 7 to that negative 5. And if you take all three bonuses for uh, by the end of the game, then you'll be at negative 20 points for the end of the game. But those are three different bonuses. There's some. There's four different bonuses you can potentially take advantage of if you need to. Like I said, one can convert elements from one type to another, uh, up to two. Uh, one can help you with what's called um, trans... Isn't it transmutation? Transmutation, that's it. 
So one of the things is a, a bonus transmutation you can take. If um, transmutation is where you take an element that you have in your store, uh, in your storehouse or whatever, and sort of sell it off for uh, crystals. Based on the season you're in, certain elements are worth more than others. So at the very beginning of the, of the thing, when you're sort of in the, I think it's the spring season, or is it the, yeah, no, it's in the winter season. Um, in the winter season, the nature element is worth the most. So if you trade in, if you do, if you could do a transmutation, you'll get three crystals for an, one nature um, token. Um, but then if you go on to uh, the summer or spring, I guess it would be the spring season, then the uh, the fire element is worth three crystals. So it's like a little bit bit of a chart on the main board uh, for when you're doing transmutations. But the only time you can take a transmutation is if the die you've chosen has that symbol on it, or you chose the bonus that lets you do a transmutation. Uh, the other bonus you can get is to add to your um, summoning chart or your whatever it is, the um, yeah your summoning gauge. Um, so, like I said, you start with zero. The dice can give you one, or you can use one of these bonuses, which will cost you points, but that'll also help you pump up your summoning gauge for getting cards out in front of you. And the last bonus is... We never use that last bonus, I don't think. It has to do with um, discarding and drawing cards, I believe, or, or just drawing cards. Let me just take a quick peek here. Yeah, I never used actually... it, so... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think didn't it's use that, that one either. I think it's that you discard, draw two, and keep one. Uh, okay, this is there. By using this bonus, instead of using the draw a card action from your season die, draw two power cards, put one in your hand, and discard the remaining card. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, so one of the symbols on the die could be a card symbol, <clears throat> and in that case, you would draw a card from one of the uh, from the remaining cards that are available in the game. So it's like a, a draw pile. Um, so if you take the draw card pile and try, decide to use this bonus, um, you draw two cards and and keep one and discard the other. So that's that, that's what that bonus can do for you, and that's the last symbol from the um, well, not the second last symbol, but second last symbol of the dice. So it's the card symbol. The last symbol on the die that I haven't mentioned yet is um, just a, a number, and that number can range from 1 to 3, and those are just crystals you'll get. So if you take a die face that has a number on it, you'll gain that many crystals on the uh, scoreboard. Uh, so those are the different symbols that can show up on the die. Elements, um, transmutation, crystals, cards, and summoning gauge, and the dots to advance the, the round marker at the uh, end of the round. Everybody, um, so the first player will take their stuff from their die. They will do any actions they can on their turn, which can be playing cards from your hand. And most cards either require special elements to get out in front of you, or they might also require, or instead require crystals to be spent to get the card out. Every card has some kind of um, bonus or ability once you've uh, triggered it. Most cards are like a single use, but there are quite a few cards also that um, will have ongoing effects, which will trigger during your turns or trigger during special circumstances. Um, and there's also ones that you'll you'll play. It'll give you like a one-time bonus, like crystals. There's one that'll be you, you spend zero crystals to get 20 crystals, but then there's another one that is spend 20 crystals to get 30 crystals. So. Uh, there's a lot of cards like that. And the cards are broken into different types. There's uh, magic items, and there's um, familiars. Uh, 
And I'm just looking to see if there's anything other than that. I think it's magic items familiars. I'm just looking to see if there's a different type of card other than that. Yeah, I think that's basically it. Magic items and familiars. Those are two different types of cards. Um, so you'll bring your cards out. you get your bonuses from them. Um, you'll do anything else you can do on your turn. Like if you have the transmutation symbol, you'll do any of those. If you're drawing cards, you'll draw cards. And then once you're done your turn, you'll go on to the next person. And they'll do their same thing. And everyone performs all their actions. And then you advance the round marker. Um, play continues like this until all three years are complete. Once all three years are complete, you basically calculate any bonuses you have from any maybe cards or, or anything like that. And whoever ends up with the most crystals at the end is the winner. And that's essentially it. I don't think I really missed much. Was, uh, once you get into the game, there's not a lot to the game beyond that. It's just basically take a die, get your stuff, trigger any cards that have to be triggered, and pass your turn. Yeah, I think so, the yeah. trickiest thing is just your which three cards you take for each season. Yeah, it's just trying to figure out how you're going to split your cards up. Because especially the very first time you play the game... You're not going to know really you know, how, how do I know which one's good for when? Like, when do I want? But it's just figuring out when do you want cards to trigger? Do you think it's a good late game one that won't give you, you know, won't, or a good early game one that may, you know, give you a lot during a game if you can get it out quickly, right? Um, but yeah, that's how you play Seasons. So now we'll just quickly move on to Dice Forge. Uh, came out in 2017, same designer um, again. Uh, same publishers too so it has a lot of the same publishers artist is just Bubon I don't know who that might be but that's just the artist is just a single name Bubon uh, categories ancient, dice, fantasy and mythology, mechanisms card drafting, deck bag and pool building, and dice rolling uh, has a BGG rating of 7.3 out of 12,000 ratings so um they're for both fairly close in ratings. You know, one just has a few less ratings, but then it's only been out for a few, you know, um, five years less than the other one. So it's only been out for a few years. And has a weight of 1.96 out of 5. So quite a bit less, you know, a lot, lot, I guess they consider it a lot lighter game, at least by the weight. Um, it is a quicker game for sure. I don't necessarily say, like some of the, um, I guess some of the dice faces as we talk about it, might take a little bit more to figure out, but yeah, the game is fairly simple. Um, so I could I could sort of see the 1.96. It's definitely not as complex as Seasons. No. So yeah, definitely yeah. not. Uh, rule book. It's kind of weird. Um, it's not really a book so much. It's more like a big fold uh, unfolding leaflet sort of. It's the same size, like circumference, or it's like a big square um, page, but folds out to be like double the, the, the size, and it's double-sided. Um, so it's a little odd. It's not really a book. If it were a book, it'd be, I guess, a four-page book. But it's instead a, a big two-page flip fold-out. I don't know what you want to call it. but um, I do find the rules a little bit more confusing to look through the way they have it laid out. It's not that they're necessarily bad. It's just when it's the way they have it laid out, it's not, it doesn't follow the traditional, you know, sort of left to right kind of, it's more like a left to right and down kind of layout, and it's a little odd. Um, but it's not to say that, you know, they're bad rules, it's just the layout's a little odd if you're not used to it. 
So it just takes a bit to get used to. But, it, you know, it's really well illustrated. It has a really good illustration to it. And it's fairly clear once you know what you're looking for and where to find it. But um, yeah, it can get a little confusing, like looking through these rules. So that's just my two uh, two cents on that one. Um, but like I said, it is it is nicely laid out and it, is, it does look nice. Just going to be a little bit hard to find things on it. Uh, but that's the main rule page or, or whatever you want to call it. And then they have another sort of handout, which again is about the same, no, but a little bit smaller because it's more of like a traditional eight and a half by 11 folded um, sheet with, um, you know, four pages to it. And this is more of a clarification of cer certain cards um, that you'll run into as you're playing the game. So it has the different types of cards. It sort of shows you where they fit on the board, the cards and describes how they work. And some cards will replace other cards based on the type of game you're playing. And then on the back is a big sort of reference, like a turn summary, the different dice face effects, and sort of a description of everything on the back of this player aid, or hero aid, they call it. Um, they only give you the one hero aid, so it's not like everybody will have this in front of them. But, um, yeah, uh, it's not bad. It's not a bad one. It's a pretty good hero aid, I'd say. Um, so that's the rule book. Uh, components, um, this one's different. It has, um, everybody has two dice, like, and they're all exactly the same at first. It's a kind of a weird looking die because it's a one that can come apart. Um, they all have like removable dice faces. Each, um, so you get two dice and the two dice are uh, identical. One die will have, uh, five faces that give you one gold and one face that will give you one, uh, red crystal. And then the other die has um, four faces that give you one gold. And then one face that gives you a blue crystal. Um, and then the other face, another face will give you two points. So, um, yeah, there's a two-point face. How the game is laid out. Um, the other components for this game. Uh, there is a central player, we're not on um, central board that everybody references in front of them or in front of in between everybody. And it has cards around this board. Um, there's two sides, the red side and the blue side. And you, you know, you place out the cards based on their value along the different sides. At the very end of the board is um, a single card that uh, uses both types of crystals to be purchased. So they range from one crystal, one red crystal to six red crystals and one blue crystal to six blue crystals. And at the very end is a card that's worth five blue crystals and five red crystals. And that's the island, I guess. That's the island's area. So in the central area, everybody has a player token. In There's four different player colors, so whatever your player color is. And that token is used throughout the game as you're moving from island to island to, to purchase cards. And then beside uh, the islands is what they call the temple. And the temple is where all of these dice faces are that you can purchase. Uh, the dice faces that can be purchased are purchased with gold. And as you purchase dice faces, you choose one of the faces on your die to remove, and you pop the new one on. Everybody has a player board. The player board has a little track for keeping track of what you roll. So every time you roll your dice, you'll be moving uh, markers along this player track. And it has a couple of places for you to put your dice after you, you know, once you've rolled them, you put them there and 
your dice on the board and so everyone can see what you rolled for the turn. Those are plastic, so the player board, no, no, the player boards are cardboard, I believe. Yeah, everything is cardboard in this. Uh, so the player boards are cardboard, the main board is cardboard, the um, the temple that you're um, getting the, the dice faces from is, is cardboard, but it's, it has an inlaid component to it, so all the dice faces are sort of sitting in these little wells on the uh, on the temple. Um, the game's a little awkward to um, put away because you put all these dice faces in their respective places on the temple, and then it goes into the sleeve. So you get the special sleeve that you slide the temple into, which can be a bit awkward, especially if you have any kind of static electricity happening. Because as you try to slide the sleeve, sometimes dice faces will pop out of where they're supposed to be and get stuck, and it it can be really awkward. It can be kind of hard to, to slide things in if, if you get a lot of static electricity happening. Um, but if you're careful, you can get it done, and it's not too, too bad. But it's just a fi- it's fiddly. It's a little fiddly. Uh, just like um, changing the dice faces can be a little fiddly as well. It's not bad once you get used to it, and once the dice, is, the dice sort of gets worked in a little bit, um, then it gets a little easier to change. I never found... Um, playing this game that the dice ever get too loose that you have to worry about dice faces popping off as you're playing so that they seem to fit snugly enough just through playthroughs and, and use this gets a little bit easier to pop them off um, using like another die face as a leverage kind of thing uh, but yeah the dice faces are all plastic the dice themselves are these kind of interesting um, plastic uh, cubes with the you know where you can put all these different dice faces on. Uh, other components, there's a few little, there's some different cardboard tokens that represent different things that you can get from these different cards that you can buy. And everybody also gets um, tracking, little tracking cubes to use along their player boards. Uh, there's one for gold, one for the red crystals, one for the blue crystals. And you get a couple for the uh, for a points track, so you, for keeping track of points that you roll. Uh, but the, all the components are fairly good. They're all decent quality components. Uh, how you play this one? This one, it goes a lot quicker. It's played... Um, it depends on the number of players, I believe, how many rounds you play. Uh, it might be a little bit shorter. Let me just see here. Is there a thing about how many rounds? Yes, number of rounds. Actually, with three players, you play the most number of rounds. So how it works, with two and four players, you play nine rounds. With three players, you play ten. And how it works is everybody rolls their dice at the same time. You get whatever you roll. So if you, you roll gold, you advance your gold. If you roll crystals, you advance your crystals. And points, you advance your points. Though the person whose turn it is will get to do something on their turn other than just the roll. So when it's your turn, you can take one action your action can be either to forge a die meaning you go to the temple and buy dice faces based on the amount of gold you have you can buy multiple dice faces if you have enough gold so if you say like the the dice faces range from two gold up to 12 gold but if you say have 12 gold and you decide i want to buy a six die or a six gold die face you still have six gold left over you could choose to forge another die face um the only Restriction being, you can't forge from the same um, one again. So if I bought a six gold die face, I couldn't buy that six gold one again. I'd have to move 
to a different one, like a five, four, three, or two, or something. Um, so you can you can buy multiple die faces during a forge action. Um, your other action that you can choose to do is a heroic feat, and that's where you're taking your token that's on the um, island board and moving it to one of the little islands and buying a card based on crystals. So, like I said, there's blue crystals and red crystals. You choose. Um, each island has two different cards associated with it. So if you move to one of the islands, you're choosing one of the two cards at that island to purchase. Um, quite a few uh, cards are just, you know, a one-time bonus. You'll buy the card. It'll be worth so many points at the end of the game, but then it might also do something for you as well. Like there are cards that will let you re-roll your dice and get some more resources. Um, there are cards that will give you a token that you can spend you know, later at, at a later time, whether on that churn or a different churn. Uh, there's special cards that'll give you a special die face that you can't normally buy and give you a bonus based on that die face if it ever comes up. And there's other little things, like there's special ones that'll trigger if, say, someone bumps you from your spot. So if you're on an island and someone else wants to go where you are, they'll bump you. If you get bumped, you get moved back to a central location where, where the round track is. And if you get bumped, you get to roll your dice and get a bonus um, based on your dice rolls, uh, some more resources. Um, but that's the islands. You'll be spending crystals to uh, to buy cards. And also on your turn, once you've taken one of your actions, either to buy a card or to buy a die face, you have the option to spend two red crystals, if you have them, to take another turn, like to do another action. So if you spend two red crystals, you could do a second um, thing like if you went to the temple you could also say buy a card as well as long as you have the two red crystals to spend and also what you might need for that card uh, so during a round um, each each round that goes around everybody will be the main player once during that round but during everyone's turn you're always rolling your dice and getting bonuses based on your dice um, for when it comes time to your turn you'll have something built up hopefully by then uh, the game goes around like that for 10 rounds. At the end of the game, whoever has the uh, the most points is the winner. Yeah, that's essentially it. That's how you play uh, Dice Forge. Pretty simple. Ashley has played Dice Forge before, but hadn't played Seasons. Um, so the first one we did play, even though it's the the newer game, was Dice Forge. And Drew's um, never played it, you said? Uh, yeah, I, yeah I, I hadn't until, well, until we played them for the recording, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dice Forge definitely is the shorter of the two because you can get a, a playthrough of Dice Forge. I think they say it can take up to an hour, and that's probably all right, about right. Um, I don't think it necessarily took an hour for us to play a game. I think it's a, it speeds um, it up a little bit on the table virtual tabletop format. So true when you're trying to pop the dice faces off and people are rolling and thinking there, it's a little a little longer, I'd say, at the table. Yeah. No, that's true, because, yeah, when you're um, playing in real life, um, popping those dice faces um, can be a little bit um, time-consuming, but you don't have to necessarily wait for a person's turn to be over to do it. Like, so, like, if, if I have dice to forge and there's nothing else for me to do on my turn, someone can start taking their turn. I guess they have to wait for you to, pop, to forge those dice anyways, because everyone has to roll their dice at the same time. Yeah. So that's true. Yeah, I forgot about that. So, yeah. It does add a bit of time to do the dice forging, and doing it on an online platform helps with that. Um, definitely helps with that time. 
Christ. So it makes it a little bit go a little bit smoother, a little bit quicker. So when playing in real life, yes, it'll be a bit quicker. I mean, uh, it's not not a whole lot quicker. But if you have a group no. that's really familiar with the game, I could see it probably taking in the half hour to forty five minute range. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think with I think with seasons, um, you know, where it where it takes a bit more time is, uh, I, I think there's a lot more card text. And if you're yes. not familiar with the cards, you know, at, as especially you know at the beginning where you're trying to determine, you know, okay, in which, uh, you know, which three cards do I, you know, do I put in each season kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, if you're not familiar with the cards, you know, you, you end up reading, you know, through the text of all nine cards. And, That's true. Uh, and then you know, it, especially the second way we played it with doing a draft instead, um, you know, yeah, you're you're reading through all the cards before you make a decision on the one that you want to take. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think Seasons was just a bit longer just because of the card text. But, I mean, outside and, of and, it, the, the actual gameplay was not was not very, you know, it didn't take up a lot of time. No, it, it like, yeah, it, it Seasons, once you get used to the game, it definitely goes quicker. Um, the drafting component does add quite a bit of time to it, but it gets, as you're drafting, it goes quicker and quicker because, you know, you start out with nine cards. you got to read all the cards to figure out which one card you want to keep. But then as the cards start moving around you have less choices to make but then you start seeing the cards you know a few times and it's a little bit easier to make those choices as it comes around so the drafting component while taking up more time does go quicker each time so it, well it, there, there are there are times though during seasons as well where you're um you know if you've got like quite a lot of summoning power you you know you end up drawing additional cards and and in some of those True. cases you know you're drawing multiple cards and again reading through the text to make a decision on which one you want to keep yeah, yeah. but yeah. again you know it, it wasn't very oppressive like it and we know. were like you and i were both unfamiliar with the game before this so i think once you're more familiar with the game and can just look at the title of the card and know what it does that drops off a little bit yeah i agree Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah, and um, yeah, and the, even though you know there's not, not as many cards to read, um, Dice Forge does have a bit of a thing too, where you have to try to figure out what each card is. It's not nearly as bad because yeah, as opposed to fifty, you know, fifty cards that you could potentially be reading in seasons, uh, Dice Forge has you know um, twelve or so, uh, six, no, about thirteen cards that you have to encounter with a few different ones that you can swap out um, depending on, on your playthrough. So there's a few cards that will change out if it's a if it's a more advanced playthrough as opposed to the, the beginning playthrough, this, whatever. So, yeah, so Dice Forge, yeah. It's a lot quicker to get used to the cards in Dice Forge as opposed to, like you said, in Seasons. Um, but with Seasons, there's quite a few cards. Once you get used to how the cards are, there's a lot of cards that are very similar just with a few little changes, right? Um, there's all these different amulets that do different things, but not so different that it, they're hard to figure out once you know what one amulet does compared to the others kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, there we go. Um, <laughs> so I guess it, it, at this point... We could just go into our final thoughts and our, our um, what, what we you know what our preferences are. Who wants to start? Uh, I might as well. Uh, for for me, it was it was a pretty clear distinction. Um, 
you know, the, the first time that we played Seasons, I, I came in dead last. The second time we played Seasons, uh, I, I won it, not by a, a lot, but um, I I really didn't care for how random the game was. Like, you you were just, you know, you're, you're constantly held uh, held hostage by the, the random factor in Seasons. So you, you can have, um, you know, like in my second game, I thought it was... It was great. There was only, I think, a single round where, um, you know, I, w- I was short of options. Um, otherwise, you know, I started off with a bang. I got my uh, my summoning power up, you know, up to three within, you know, in the first play of the game, and uh, you know, came out like gangbusters. But the, that first game, you know, there was round after round after round where, you know, the dice didn't roll properly. Um, you know, like I could not get enough of the the proper elements to get my cards out, and you know, in in, in that kind of game, I just I just find it like just torture to have to sit there and and you know, especially you know, probably by halfway through, I just you know, I realize this is just not going to happen, and and so then you're just along for the ride. Um, whereas in Dice Forge, you know, there's this randomness with with these constant rolls of the dice, but uh, you know, even if you only had like a couple gold, you know, you can upgrade your die. And, and so that's the one thing I really liked about Dice Forge is, is that you have a mechanism within the game to improve your fate. If you have nothing else, no other options, you can almost always upgrade your dies so that as the game progresses, you know, oh, you know, I, I don't really have enough crystals to buy, you know, to buy this card or, uh, you know, enough crystals to do that. You know, generally I can, I can upgrade my dies so that as the game progresses, every single time those dies are rolled, there's a greater chance that I'm going to get more resources that, you know, like it'll just kind of steamroll as you go along. So that, that was, I mean, that was huge for me. Like I just did not care for the random, like the excessive randomness in seasons. Okay. I think for me, it, it was, it's really close. Uh, Dice Forge. Yeah, I find rolling dice on a virtual tabletop very frustrating. Mm-hmm. So sure. uh, on the online format, I think I actually like seasons slightly better because it just it bugs me not to have contact with dice when I want to roll them and physically do stuff with them. Sure. But as the two games go, I think Drew's kind of right. Seasons. Especially when you play the more advanced version, with it, it's so determined by what what power cards you're getting, and when you select your dice for each round, it, it is just I don't know. It's a little more frustrating in that regard, and I don't think that goes away when you go to tabletop versus a virtual tabletop. Like it, it's still going to be that card drafting nightmare, followed by. Like you, you, you're having too many components that are just luck based, basically. You right. You need the synergy yeah. of your cards. You need the synergy of the dice, and I think you have a little bit more fate with, or your oh, sorry control over how your strategy is going to work with dice forge based off of how you choose to forge your dice. So even though the luck mechanic is there, it kind of you mitigate it by I want to play this strategy so I'm going to stick to these types of dice base as you go along. So on a tabletop, I think dice forge, but for the 
how we played it, I actually enjoyed seasons more. Okay. Is that allowed? I think... Can I can I like both? <laughs> <laughs> no, you can absolutely like both. Okay, but actually, um, actually, that was that was a really good, a good point because that was something else that I noticed with Dice Forge that that I really liked was, um, it's not just it's not just about um, you know changing the faces of the die so that you know like uh, you know instead of one gold I get three gold or instead of getting you know one uh, of the fire crystals I get you know two or three or whatever, but. Um, you know, at least in one of the two games, and and Randall, you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but mm-hmm. but I I kind of got the impression that that you were um you know you were taking on this strategy of you know I'm I'm going for uh, victory points as opposed to anything else. So um you know you change yeah. a lot of the die faces to to um you know maximize getting victory points that way, and then the cards that you uh, that you went after did the same thing. And, uh, you know, so, so you can actually modify the dice in a way that, that, you know, like that becomes part of the strategy is chasing after very specific resources to further your, um, yeah, like to, to further the strategy. So True. You know, if, if I need to buy cards, then I'm, I'm going after, you know, the fire crystal and the other crystal kind, but you can just go straight after, after, uh, you know, victory points, which I, I think you did in, in one of the games. I, I was I did do that quite a bit. Um, it didn't really work out for me, and I my my problem was um, I didn't you can't ignore the cards, and I didn't have enough cards that gave me extra points. Like both games were fairly close. Like I, I don't think I ever got totally blown out of the water or anything. I yeah I definitely I, I was especially one one game where I was really I had like a good set of points on on one die. And then the other die, like in the very first game we played, I think I got the three, or one of the first or second game, I got the three times multiplier dice face um, on the on the second die, and there were some times where I got some really good points out of that, but um, I just didn't have the other cards that give me additional points that I could have used to push me over to a win. So there's that. So yeah. Yeah, I think with Dice Forge, one of the dominant strategies in it is to just go for red crystals because of how much benefit there is. Because the, yeah. the point cost you get in the cards is so much more than you can randomly roll consistently. Unless you get really lucky and you get that four victory point side with the times three at the same time. If you could do that, like, regularly, it's going to be... I mean, you're going to run away with it, right? Sure. You, you get so many points. But that's, you know... the comes down to randomness of dice. Exactly. But but you know that's a good point too with the red crystals because that's that's the one resource that will allow you to, to take additional actions. Yeah. So if you if you load up on that, like get as many red crystals as possible, you know, when it comes to my turn, you know, it's not just oh I, I purchase one card and then my turn's over. Uh you know, if as long as I have additional resources, you know, purchase a, you know, uh what do they call it? a heroic feat um you know, to to purchase one of the cards and then you know burn off two more crystals and do it again. And I mean, if you're getting two of those cards in in one turn, that's a mm-hmm. lot of victory points. It can be, yeah, for sure. Or, yeah, I should say that. Yeah, depending on which ones you you have the resources to purchase, but yeah, but, you know, just being able to take like that additional turn if if you have those crystals, it's yeah, that's a that's a big deal in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I guess going to what my preference is, um, I do love, I do like both games a lot. 
Um, they're both in my collection, and uh, it's been a long time since I played Seasons before this. I, I you know, I played Seasons quite a bit, um, quite a few years ago, and it was nice getting it back. You know, even though it's on a virtual table, it was nice getting it back onto a table and playing it again. Um, it took a while to remember how to play it. Um, that's the one, you know, as we talk about the uh, board game arena that I'll, I'll bring up. But um, out of the two games, uh, I do think I prefer Seasons a little bit more um, just because of the little bit extra complexity to it. Dice Forge, you know, it, it's a it's a great game, and uh, it'll get to the table a lot just because it's a quick-playing game, and it has that element of, you know, it's fun to um, forge the dice and change the dice faces out. Um, and that kind of thing, but I like seasons just because of the variety of cards you can get. You know that even in the base game comes with, so you can try to build your strategy around um, the cards you get, and, and and try to get your timing right for how you're going to get your cards out if you can get the appropriate um, elements to uh, to cast them. Um, so yeah, that's why for me, I, I think I'm going to go with seasons on this one just because I do like it a little bit more, uh, just because of the complexity of it. But I, I do love both games. So that's um, one for Seasons, one for Dice Forge, and one for both? I, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, if we're, we're doing the format that we did, I did say yeah. Seasons. Yeah, oh. you did say, yes, in this format you like Seasons a bit more. So I guess we'll go with that, saying that Seasons did win this one. I on the caveat, so. you liked it better because it was uh, the virtual. And, and if we ever get a chance to play them um, at an actual table again, you know, um, rules can or thoughts can change or whatever like uh, opinions can change. Yep. So for this one, we'll, we'll say it's seasons, though it's very close, and and mostly due to the to the virtual element on that. Okay. Uh, so yeah, now we're going to move on to the second segment, which is basically just talking about board game arena and how we found using it, uh, especially for these games. Um, I I've only had much, haven't had a lot of experience with um, virtual tabletops. Um, before this, I had also tried uh, the Tabletop Simulator, which you can get from Steam. I played um, some solo missions of Gloomhaven using that, so um, I was familiar with that. And that's a lot more complicated setup than this Board Game Arena. Board Game Arena is just a website you go to. Um, so it's really simple. You just create an account. Um, there is premium version of it, so when you're looking through the games that they have on here, um, there's quite a few games that you can play that you know don't require you to have the premium um, membership to, uh, to to play. Um, and and they're, they're kind of, they've got some decent ones for free. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like just taking a look at some of the ones, like just the ones that I had checked off that I had played before. You know, Dice Forge and Seasons were both ones that you can play without having to have premium content. Um, Seasons, I believe may have had some of the expansions in, in some of the setup. I can't remember. Um, Dice Forge, I know, did not have the expansion that's available for it. Um, but I thought Seasons did. Um, they have Puerto, Puerto Rico. They have Race for the Galaxy. And then that's just from ones that I had listed. Um, but if you look at all the different things, they have like Sushi Go. They have Red 7. Um if you when you sign up for the uh, the site, they give you the option of playing through a game, um, like a single player game against the computer of one called Can't Stop. That's like a little dice rolling game, and that was actually kind of fun to play. 
for it's just sort of gets you used to how the site works. So that that's kind of nice. When you're looking at the different games that are available, um, they have a good range of family all the way to like the heavier kind of games. Um, I can't remember if it says anywhere on there how many games they have. If there's like a list of saying we've got you know 200 games or or what. Um, is there like a, a count on here anywhere? I don't see a count. Yeah, I didn't see one last time I was looking. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Um, in this thing, there's one, two, three, there's six to a row. 29 rows. So 29 times six is a big, a, a number. What 30 times six be? Yeah, he just said 174. There you go. Plus one. So there's one extra game. Plus so 175 one. games. That's not. That's a pretty good selection. Yeah, um, that's not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Um, well, the, the other and, thing that, that you and I were talking about is uh, the the voting that happens in Board Game Geek. Yes. Um, there's If you go to Board Game Geek, they have a whole, they have like a geek list or whatever, just of games that can be voted on for them to hopefully eventually add to their service. Um, like one Castles of Burgundy is one of my favorites. Um, it's not on here yet, but if you go, it's like, I think the number two voted on one right now in their uh, geek list. So like for the number of up thumbs on it. So that means, you know, hopefully we'll be seeing Castles of Burgundy on here soon. They do have quite a few premium games, what they call them. Ones where you, you know, you have to be a subscriber and I don't necessarily, I think some of these games um, I'm not sure if it's the same for all the premium games, but I did notice for like, I think it was Race for the Galaxy. Race for the Galaxy, you can play the base game for free, um, but if you want any of the expansions, then you have to be a premium member. So there might be some of the premium games like that. I'm not sure. Um, but then again, no, no, it does have the yellow meeple showing it's a premium game. So it might be that all these premium games might have a version that you can play without being a premium member. It just may not have all the options of, like, say, certain expansions or something. I don't know. I didn't go through all the different games to see. But there's that. So uh, there's a bit of, out of these 175 games, I would say, I wouldn't say that there's, no, not even half. Not even half are premium. So maybe a third are premium games, which give you ben- you know added benefits if you're a subscriber. And if we were looking at it, we did look at how much it costs to be a premium member. I, do you remember, Drew? Um, yeah, it's, well, it, it depends on whether you uh, get a yearly subscription or if you're going to pay by the month, if you pay yearly, uh, and currently I think this is, you know, just sort of a, um, a promotion that they have on is that you, um, you save 51% by doing it yearly, which comes out to, uh, you know, $2 and 90 cents Canadian a month. Um, otherwise it's, uh, it's $5 and 90 cents a month. Right. So, yeah, that's like a, not quite half, but it's a, a definitely a good discount. Well, you said 51%, but, well, that's if you do a yearly over. Yeah, I, I couldn't say for sure to... that that's a promotion. You know, yeah. it might just be sort of, you know, Their normal how, thing. how they get people in. But, yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's that's not that's not very expensive at all. No, it's not bad, really, when you think about it. And especially nowadays when we're going to be playing, you know, more and more games virtually and, until it's, it's safe to congregate among a table again yeah um yeah it, it's a, definitely a good option and there's a you know definitely a lot of good free titles 
to start out with anyway. So if you're not ready to pay, you can go on there and there's a lot of different ones you can play without having to pay anything. But now the actual experience of playing, um, it, it between the two games we played, you could tell one maybe looked a little bit more polished than the other, like Dice Forge, probably because it's the newer game. I don't know if it had to do with the... Uh, if it was the programming or what, but it did look a bit more polished than, say, Seasons. Um, just from the the user interface. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. Yeah, same. Yeah, but um, you know what? At the same time, it it does. I think Dice Forge, you know, kind of requires more. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you're looking at Seasons, really all you need is you know you just kind of have your tableau of the you know each player's cards, and then the tableau of your uh, you know your the cards that are coming up in the next season kind of thing true um, and and then just the you know the the round board you know for the actual seasons you know yeah there, there's really not a lot that's required there that's true yeah no and but, and, and seasons it wasn't like a bad layout or anything um nope. I get you know I guess compared to you know, for what they what it is and seasons definitely has more cards to it so there's a lot more cards that you're sort of laying out in front of yourself and you have to be able to see your cards and your um your you know the other players cards as well so there's a lot more cards just being displayed on the screen yeah it, it does make sense that it's, it, just the way it's going to look is a little bit limited based on that um i did find like when when you clicked on a card to get a better look at it um while it's readable it wasn't as clear as it could have been um Oh, Especially yeah, for some the, of the smaller the text. Cards were definitely hard to read at some points. Yeah. Yeah, if you, if you weren't hovering over them, you couldn't read them. Yeah. Yeah, it was hard to read like them. Could, and then when you, you hovered over them. Tell, yeah. Sorry, you, you could barely tell how many points they were without That's hovering true. over them. Yeah. Now, I, I guess, like, you know, despite that, though, you know, once a card is played, you, you don't often need to revisit it. Well, that there's but, a lot that where you could play again, like while they were down, to use their mm-hmm. special effect and stuff. So if you had yeah, you placed yeah. something early and wanted to, like, I, I put one out that you could um, sacrifice familiars for crystals or points or something. I forget what exactly, but it would be easy to forget it's there because you can't read the text when it's down if you're familiar with the game sure you're not you're probably not going to forget that you put it down but in the text being so small without expanding your cards i mean i don't want to spend my entire time hovering over cards to enlarge them to see what they are i want to be able to look at the table and see everyone's stuff and just kind of it makes the game flow a little better yeah i i agree with you there like I, i spent probably most of my uh you know the time in between my actions, um, you know, I either hovering over my cards again to, to make sure that I, I knew what was out there. And then if, um, you know, if you or Randall played a card, you know, I, I made sure that I was hovering over to see, um, you know, there, there's not a lot of this in the game, but there, there were definitely some cards that, you know, had sort of a, a take that mechanism or, um, you know, that, that, I, I knew that at some point, you know, Randall or yourself could sacrifice it to, to, you know, have some negative effect. So you, yeah, like I, I, I agree with you there. I spent a lot of time kind of hovering over the cards to, 
you know, make sure that I, I stayed familiar with what was out in, in play. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. much exactly what I did too. Spent all yeah. of my time during turns just bringing up cards, reading their text again, watching what you guys were putting down as soon as a new card gets put down. You couldn't just read it. You had to hover over it. Stuff like yeah. that. And the only frustrating thing, well, a couple of frustrating things, I guess. One, um, each card has like a, a number on the bottom and it was really illegible. Um, even with the, when you're hovering over it and bringing it up, making it bigger, because uh, like each card is so many out of 50, whatever number out of 50. And that's so you can go to the rule book if you want to get a better explanation on the card or, or get an answer about a card. There was a, I know there was at least one time where we're trying to figure out what's that number and then eventually we figured it out or, or and also went by the name of the card too. But it's like, <laughs> I can't yeah. tell that number is, so it's like a little bit harder to find it in the book to get some clarification on it. Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing that I ran into when, on one of our playthroughs, uh, there was one particular card that had me draw cards and then distribute cards amongst the players. And the way the card was read, read on its text is you draw a card, keep one for yourself, and then distribute the rest. But the way they programmed it is you draw the cards and then choose the card, the first card that you're going to give to this person, and then the next card you're going to give to that person, and then the card you're going to keep to yourself. So they did it in the opposite order, as though I was expecting, and I ended up giving away the card I wanted to keep because it was, you know, I, I was going by the text of the card, and I wasn't noticing that the program was telling me to give the card away. If I just, if I had paid a bit more attention, I would have noticed that, but I just had it in my head that, oh, I'm picking the card I want to keep. Yeah, and that well, something similar happened to me in Dice Forge where I misclicked the die oh, base when yeah. I was trying to forge one of my dies, and it changed out something, and I couldn't fix the Undo. mistake. Where at yeah. a tabletop, yeah. you're definitely able to be like, well, first of all, you're not going to accidentally pop off and throw out the card the wrong the one dice that you face. want. Usually, you're going to notice yeah. before that, but if you do, you can be like, oh crap, I took off the wrong one, and just kind of fix it immediately, but we couldn't find yeah. a way to reverse an obvious mistake, because it's like I didn't end my turn and figure it out three turns later. It was like, oh, crap, no. immediately. It was and, immediate, and we couldn't yeah. find a can you roll back. Yeah. So that, yeah, that I think that's common with I, I think that's common with the online platforms, it, that, yeah. that every action is immediate and cannot be taken back. Which, yeah. is a, which is a bit of a detriment. I mean, outside of the uh, the social aspect, like it, talking like this, even when we're doing the podcast, there's this uh, difficulty in actually communicating with one another and feeding off of each other with how we're talking because we don't have the body language. You, we, our ears can't function with the way that we get information through a computer when you're using voice. You can't have multiple people kind of discussing options outside of what's going on without it being an interruption and things like that. So the mediums face that issue of if you can get together, it is a much more pleasant experience around a table. It's a great yeah. substitute if you have no other alternative, but I, I will always prefer the around the table for my board games type of environment to a virtual tabletop just for that reason. Because I think yeah, it, it extends to, I don't know, Ryan, I think you've used Roll20, haven't you, Randall? I have. Yeah, so, like, I'm in a role-playing group with that. 
because of distance, not because what's going on right now with the quarantine and stuff, but it's, it's just not the same as role playing in person because there's no side discussion amongst the players. Because as soon as someone starts talking, if that's it, it shuts everyone else down. So all those virtual environments are limited by that communication factor that you just, there's no way past it. Now, maybe, like, we were just doing voice only, and, you know, we didn't have webcams going. So maybe having a webcam view so you could see the other player might help a little with that. Well, I use my Uh, webcam for Roll20, though. Yeah, no, and and I haven't, you know, I haven't used mine for Roll20 yet. But I'm just thinking even for a board game setup, you know, being able to see everybody might be a little bit nicer. It's never going to replace actual physical um, board gaming. but. It could help anyway. It could be a factor. And plus, we weren't also, not that this is a factor, um, we didn't use uh, Board Game Arena's inbuilt uh, chat system. I'm assuming they have one. Um, yeah, it was premium, I think, to use. Oh, was it a premium thing? Yeah, I think it was, because we looked to, to see if it was, oh, and yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a premium feature. So you have to uh, subscribe for it. Yeah, okay. integrated voice or video chat to play with your friends as if they were here is a premium feature. Yeah. So, uh, and where something like Roll Twenty, that's a free feature, and their subscribed yes. features are more like for the dungeon master to do lighting effects on maps and stuff like lighting that. Lighting effects and fog of war and yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we were, but yeah, we were just using. I think I can't remember. I think one time we used Discord. And we might have used Skype the other time. Yeah, I think we were on Skype because we want to make sure it was going to work time. for doing this. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it, um, you know, both of those are good options for um, voice. And I'm not sure, does Discord do video? I never actually looked into that. Um, I don't I think don't so. I think it's most, I, I've never used it I think for it's video. only voice. I've used it a yeah. lot for voice chat, but I don't think I've ever, ever used it for video yeah. or seen it used that way, so... I don't believe so either. So I think Discord is strictly voice, and it does voice well. Um, and then with Skype, you have the option of doing video. Um, it's so it's a little it's a big it's kind of a big trade off though. It, like if yeah. if you're going to have video up on your screen, it takes up considerable real estate that you know could be you know dis- displaying the board, you know the, like the game port, and yeah. especially where you know where one of our concerns with seasons was the ability to read the cards. That's just going to make that worse. Yes. So true. It's just um, something it, something you have to be aware of when you're yeah. you know if you're going to play with one of these uh, you know online platforms. Yeah, and it all you know it all depends on your setup. If you're using a laptop with a single screen, sure. Yeah, you probably don't want to use video because it's going to take up so much of the screen. Um, if you're lucky enough to have a couple monitors or rooms really big wide screen monitors, then you can play around a bit more and and have you know your video off to the side a little easier. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, that's all. Um, setup dependent. Yeah, because like with Roll Twenty, they they have it so you can minimize the video windows and stuff <coughs> like that. But I have a really big monitor, so I have yeah. all of our party there and displayed. It doesn't interfere with the map at all. And at the same time, my wife plays with us, and she's on a tablet for her thing because we share the monitor for like the map and stuff for purposes like that, but she has her tablet for character use and things like that. And okay. it, she had to shut that off to be able to see anything effectively on the tablet. So 
visible area on your monitor, if you have multiple monitors and stuff, makes a huge difference for stuff like that. Yeah. And most people don't have that because I think in today's society, we're moving more towards tablets and laptops with smaller viewing surfaces, right? Not not everyone uses their computers extensively as I do that they will have a massive monitor. Yeah, same. Yeah, and that's it's it's more I guess people who do a lot of online gaming on their computers, it's a lot easier to have a bigger monitor and and that's you know more natural. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I have a setup similar, <laughs> and it, it, it can be nice. But yeah, not everybody's going to have that for sure. And and this, and things like this, like these board game ones, don't really don't require like a more a really powerful system. It's a, this one is a web based one. So most web-based, you know, most computers can do a, a web-based setup like this fairly easily. Yeah. Because it's not going to be too straining on the CPU. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Board Game Arena, it was, it, it, you know, definitely a, a, a good choice. And, you know, and there's definitely more games on there I want to play. Um, we'll have to play around. The one, and we, I don't know if it's like, a, if there's like an option that we just didn't know. But, you know, when we were setting up our tables... When there was one time when we were like before we were starting the game, trying to figure out, I was looking through the rules to remind myself how to play the game, and we had people just randomly joining in on the game and leaving the game. People we didn't know joining in, leaving, joining in, leaving. That was kind of weird and annoying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because sometimes every time someone joins in, there's like this knock, knock, knock sound effect that keeps playing. Is like stop it. <laughs> yeah, I think if you have if you have a premium subscription, I think you can immediately. Uh, like restrict the game to just people within your friends list. Uh, um, that, that's but, true. I never, yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, it wasn't too bad. Like once we figured out that that's what was going on, we just knew that, you know, okay, we're all, all three of us are in the game. Okay. Wait until nobody's in there and then immediately open the game and start it. Yeah, exactly. True. So that, 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 that is a, 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 one of the advantages to going premium is getting a little bit more choice Stuff like also like look, looking at some of their premium stuff. You know, one is like choose your color, so you you don't get any kind of choice of what color you are in the basic. Like, you know, you just get a random color, and that's what that's what you're playing with. Um, apparently, yeah, I think in the premium, premium you, you get your your first choice, second choice, third choice, and fourth choice of color. You uh, can actually identify that in your in your account options. Right. So that everyone who pays has their ability to get the colors they want, I assume. Right. Well, unless, or... you know, like if, if Randall's preference, his first preference is orange and my first preference is orange, you know, then it'll, I, I don't know, maybe it gives one of us the, you know, whoever's first in the room gets that color and the next person gets their second favorite. I don't know. Whoever created yeah, the sure table, we... maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Um, there's also a, apparently a, a thing about premium where you can... Oh, um, play from the same place. So play with someone mm. using the same internet connection as you or even using the same device hot seat mode. Only one player needs to be a premium play, premium to play in the same location as someone else. So apparently if you have two computers in the same, say, IP address, like public IP, it'll stop you unless you're premium. That's weird, I think. I'm just guessing on that, what it sounds like. So I couldn't use like a laptop and a computer from my own home? I yeah, it was like said, so play with someone using the same internet connection as you. Because they're saying internet connection. I can make yeah. IPs outgoing, but I don't know. Maybe 
I don't think they can or stop it if use... I put an IP address I want as an outgoing one. No, I. it almost sounds like, yeah, same internet connection as you makes it sound like your home because every home will have a unique IP based, you know, because you only get, you know, yeah. usually one IP to your router kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, but like, then again, or, like it, it's yeah. got that hot seat mode where, you, where essentially you're you're both playing on the same device. Which is, again, part of the premium thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. If, like, so if you had two computers in your home, unless you were, one of you was premium, you may not be able to play together on the same table. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe there's some clarification weird. somewhere else. Yeah. There. A little weird. Um, yeah. Play with friends next to you using multiple devices or hot seat mode. Yeah. That, that, yeah, so it sounds like if you have more than one device in your in your home, unless one of you is premium, you won't be able to play together. Hmm. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Not, it's not a little strange into it. of a decision, though. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah. What is it to sit down and play at your house? It's not using their resources anymore, or anything. I guess you're taking up a table to yourself. Then there's that. Potentially, yeah. I guess, if you don't have enough friends remotely. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just, that is a little bit of an odd one. Yeah. Hmm. Huh. But, you know, for a free service. Yeah. So I guess if Marcus had wanted to play with us, he may not have been able to then. Oh, that's true. I, did, I hadn't even thought of that. If he wasn't busy and could have joined us, yeah. he wouldn't have actually been able to, given the restriction of one person per household. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. We'd, we'd have to. Check out to see whether or not uh, using a VPN would um, would allow you well, to get around that. But oh, because if you had one computer on its own little VPN, that yeah, yeah, that's what I was saying. You could kind of make it so that you have like original. So it's saying it's coming from different places, right? If you yep. know how, yeah. so there's probably a way to round that. But yeah, most like people aren't going to have that ability. Like most people don't have that knowledge. I don't think True. to circumvent their rules well vpns they they made them fairly pretty easy nowadays like um you know it's not usually much to set them up you know you pay for a, a service you say that but out. how many people don't even know how to turn on a computer anymore i mean <laughs> uh true it's getting yeah. sad in its own way <laughs> yeah yeah that, that, that's true it is it is um but yeah um i uh, but all that said it Pretty good solution, um, Wargame Arena. I, I'd recommend it. I'd say, you yeah. know, if you, if you want to play some games, check them out um, and uh, and just just go with it. It seems like there's always lots of people on there, so you can probably find people to play with, but then, you know, I guess you always have to be careful. You never know who you're going to run into some weirdos or something. But that's on like... On the internet. On the internet, but it's, it's <laughs> true it for... so. That's true for any online service. Yes, so. definitely. Well, I guess... Uh... I guess I'll mention too that um, you know, like board game arena is not the only option nope. out there. I'm just looking at the uh, uh, Tabletopia site. Mm -hmm. um, Tabletopia has over 800 games. Um, they they do have uh, sort of a tiered uh, membership plan as well. So you know, at the bronze level, um, you can you know it's free and you can only have um, two simultaneous games going. You don't have access to the premium games. Uh, when you get up to a silver level, you can have six simultaneous games. You have access to the premium games. Um, when you get up to the gold level, ten, ten simultaneous games, all the premium games, and you can also have guests in, in your premium games. 
Oh, okay. Um, but it, it is a bit more expensive for sure. The, like I said, the bronze level's free. Uh, silver is, uh, and I'm not even sure what currency this thing is put into, but it's $5 a month for silver and $10 a month for gold. Um, and, and it does, it, it actually has a tie-in to Steam. So, um, you, you can use your Steam account to log into Tabletopia. Interesting. But, um, yeah. But yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of online, um, board game action to be had out there for sure. Yeah, and you know, for our next episode, we'll probably still be under you know um, personal quarant- um, personal distancing restrictions. So we'll probably do something like this again, and then we'll maybe we'll see if we can try another service. If we can find a, a service that has two other games that we want to compare, mm-hmm. then we'll do this again and, and talk about that service and and you know and and see how how it was and how that experience is. Maybe it'll be Tabletopia, maybe it'll be um, Tabletop Simulator. We'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely try these different ones out while we're in our current situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, well I think that'll be a good place to end it. Um, thanks again for listening. Uh, like usual, you can find us on our website at boardnowgaming.com. Find us on Facebook and Twitter. We have our subreddit on Reddit. Um, please subscribe to us via iTunes. Well, actually, not. It's now called Apple Podcasts, I believe. Uh, Stitcher, CastBox, or Google Play. Um, go on to Board Game Geek, and um, we have a guild, so you can find us on our guild where we always post our, our show notes, and um, we always, you know, um, have a bit. Of, we don't have a community going there yet, but if you know you want to reach out to us, especially now where maybe you're looking for some, for some more outward contact with people, you know, reach out to us because. We'll be happy to, to chat with you and, uh, and and see what you think. Or if you have suggestions for future matchups, we'd like to hear them. And maybe we'll get a chance to do some of them up if, if you know if we run out of our ideas or we really like your idea and we want to go for it right away. But, you know, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. But until next time, thanks for listening and keep on gaming. Good night. Good now. Trip
Through your eyes, I'm back 